Southern Skies. Online Media. folks and welcome back to Plane Crazy Down Under, episode 41 of the program where we look at the world of aviation from an Australia Pacific point of view. This is a special election 2010 quick cast number three. I tell you what Grant, we're getting exhausted doing all these in one week. I oh, know, I know. Somebody had this good idea. Uh, yeah, anyhow, um, <laughs> it was a good idea at the time, wasn't it? Sounded good at the meeting. It's an interesting time and we've done a lot of legwork to get the uh, politicians together and while we managed to get Warren Trust from the Nationals and we got Nick and Tim from the Australian sex party yesterday. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to speak to Senator Christine Milne from the Greens, nor with Minister Anthony Albanese from the Labor Party, who are the currently in power party. Uh, Neither of them have been able to slot us into their very hectic schedule. They were interested, but they just couldn't slot it in. And they've said that they'll talk to us after the election when the dust settles and we we can take it all from there. So uh, what we've decided to do is we're going to do a final quick cast where we will assess what's written in their policies and based on what's publicly available give you our summary and commentaries on that. And I guess when you talk around about what's publicly available, the rather striking thing when it comes to aviation, which is what interests us here, is there's really not a lot. The uh, The Labor Party is relying on the aviation white paper, that, which was released grant back in December of 2009. That's right. And the Greens, who are most likely going to hold the balance of power in the Senate, in my opinion, aviation in, is not really covered specifically either um, in, in any of their uh, policy uh, announcements that we can find here. They do talk talk about you know, all the things that you would expect from a, a greenie type party, uh, sustainable energy, uh, renewables and all this sort of stuff. But their focus, uh, Grant, we might just look at the Greens first, uh, their, their focus really is on public transport and public That's transport right. in general and specifically, and, and folks you've probably noticed that I, I did push it with the, the other two quick casts we did, uh, railways, railways, uh, you know, the railway planning and high speed rail and all this sort of stuff. This is really the uh, the catch cry when it comes to transport policy at the moment in this country. That's that's correct. There's a lot of a lot of thought going into railways. Unfortunately, a lot of thought is being duplicated. We've had people looking at. Uh rail plans and high-speed rail since the 60s, actually. And uh, even way back as far as then, they decided that the uh, best way to do a high-speed rail link along the eastern seaboard was not to go along the eastern seaboard, but rather to link Melbourne with uh, Brisbane straight up the middle by going up through Albury and Dubbo and maybe putting a spur off into Canberra and then to Sydney because, unfortunately, north and south of Sydney, there are just massive hills, valleys. Uh, getting roads through is very steep. Getting They've got an existing train line, but to get a new one through, they'd have to drill a lot of tunnels, there'd be an environmental mess, all that kind of aspect. So uh, the whole aspect of, of rail is, is important and it's it's a great way of moving a lot of freight around, but uh, 
I'm not sure that the high-speed trains are going to work quite as well as a lot of barriers we have here in Australia, not the least of which is the open space. Yes, the distance, the, the vast distances that have to be covered, and therefore aviation is really where they should be looking. It's all well and good to talk about rail, uh, really, and particularly the major political parties, although I was impressed uh, with the way Warren Trust directly addressed that issue. He basically said, look, it's just not a goer. Uh, of course, we have the, the, the left side of politics sort of saying, well, you know, let's look at that. And you see that a lot in the United States too, where you've got some, uh, you know, the American High Speed Rail Association is really pushing that agenda at the moment where they're trying to, to almost demonise aviation, uh, you know, and saying, look at how terrible it is. And, and I think that the thing they're saying there is, you know, get high speed rail because um, you won't have the TSA and you won't have to take your shoes off. I think that's the way they're pushing it. Yeah, that's that's the big aspect uh, they're pushing at it. You know, and, and given that we're most likely to have a Labor government, you know, they're, they're sort of more left leaning and, you know, the Greens are extremely left leaning. They're going to be pushing this sort of ideal. Um, I think from an aviation standpoint, point that we could almost see that as a threat I think Grant. Yeah I've got to say it depends on on how well I mean a large number of them are recognizing that aviation is important when you talk to them offline. Uh, We'll talk later about the Labor Party and their white paper which which has pushed a lot of areas of aviation as being critical to Australia but honestly unless you can set up a train system where you can get from Melbourne to Sydney in three hours it's still going to be better to take the, the plane. Yeah, well, that's out of the question. That, it will never happen. And, and the amount of money that it would cost to do that, when that money could be far better deployed somewhere else. And, and I tell you what, they could take a fraction of that money that it would cost. What did, what did Mr. Trust say? Something like $60 billion, I think, they, yeah. they and probably more. You could take a fraction of that money and do away with all these oppressive user fees and all these disincentives that are currently going on to aviation and, yep. set, and set it up more so it's like the United States where, you know, people, it's more treated as a right than a privilege. Yeah, I agree that uh, we definitely do have to have things done about that. That was that was where uh, Tim and Ken were talking to us about wanting to uh, balance out and, and get less of a user pays and like the roads, more of a subsidised situation happening and, and more support from the government for training when you've got to go out and be a garbo or do other things to try and cover the costs of your um, training. Now, um, going back to the Greens' uh, published policies, uh, they have a, on their website their uh, sustainable planning and transport policy. As we said, it's it's mostly focused around, as you might expect, uh, sustainable, ecologically friendly fuels, uh, reduction in pollution, things like that. Uh, a big part of their push is all about public transport. Now, the Greens are really pushing their, their marketing, for want of a bit of word about any political party. They're really pushing their, their marketing in the um, the big cities and things like that, where, where a, public, a public transport service is, is a vitally important part of living in a city. And uh, as many of us are discovering here in Australia, there's been successive generations of governments that have not put the uh, funding required into the infrastructure and public transport is suffering along with a number of other areas. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're pushing public transport. They do, however, make specific reference to aviation in a couple of areas. And that's uh, one of their points is that major airports are to be located in such a way that they minimise social and environmental impacts, which is kind of interesting given most of the major airports are already being built. Uh, it with the exception of whatever happens in Sydney to try and take pressure off uh, the existing primary international airport there. There's a lot of push for a second airport in, in Sydney. Although, as we heard Warren Trust say, he doesn't believe it's required for a while. But I, I find that interesting from the Greens. If major airports are to be located, well, they're already there. So does that mean that to minimise social environmental impacts and it's a major airport, are they going to move people away from them? I, I'm not sure about how that one quite works. 
It's it's a bit of a mishmash, isn't it? Because it's federal and state responsibility. I think uh, what Warren Truss was engaging in there was a bit of the old uh, blame game where he was sort of shuffling that off to the state and saying, well, a lot of that planning stuff is really to do with the state governments. Well, that is true. But when it comes to things like, for instance, Badgerys Creek now, you know, that, that's, that's been a hot potato for 20 years yeah. um, up, up there in Sydney. Uh, I remember back when I started flying 20 years ago, there was some talk around about building an airport out towards the, uh, to, you know, the, the sort of the southeast of Melbourne out where I live. Um, I can tell you that will never happen. They're talking about trying to build a rail line through there at the moment and, and um, people are very unhappy about that. That's the whole NIMBY aspect where people want all this good stuff but they don't want it in their backyard. Yep. No, you can't have my house for your train line even though we need it. Yeah. Uh, which leads on to the next one which is uh, the next one that references to aviation is the environmental costs being incorporated into the cost of air travel. So rather than being an option to buy a carbon offset for your ticket, I imagine this means that it will be built into the costs. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a big thing. We um, Everyone's talking about uh, greening aviation because everyone sees aircraft. Internationally, aviation makes up uh, less of a percentage than most other forms of transport. It's just everyone can see them, hear them, and all that kind of stuff um, in terms of in terms of the, the greenhouse gas emissions and things like that. But uh, one thing that the airlines have been doing since the 60s, they have been investing in new equipment that burns less fuel. And it's not a matter of them wanting to be green. It's a matter of them trying to cut their costs. The consumption of fuel is the, I think it is the biggest cost above labour for any airline and uh, if they can reduce that then they're, they're all over it so that's why they are continuously investing in newer new aircraft with new engines that burn less fuel and take more people further on the same amount of fuel. And I think too this seems to be the philosophy of the Greens and Labor and really I mean they're the, virtually the same party on a lot of things. In fact it's important to note too that um, the, the Greens and have done a preference deal with the Labor Party so in a lot of cases if you vote Green you're really going to end up voting for Labor so a lot of their policies are, are fairly well aligned that way and they are the party that are pushing the, the Green agenda pretty hard. Um, it seems to me that that, um, just having a look through their policies here when it comes to transport because neither of them really mention aviation too much specifically their philosophy is if you push the taxes and charges up high enough on industry the industry will come up with the more you know with the solution itself if it has mm-hmm. to be green you know they're going to, to set a regime where they're, they're going to well they would say encourage uh, industry to come up with a way to make green energy more efficient so I don't know how that's going to be achieved in the short term I think in the in the longer term things are going to go that way worldwide. It seems to me that just looking at the two policies of the, of the parties here when it comes to transport, there's there's a lot of the green initiatives coming in here and I think in the short term it would seem to me that that's going to lead to cost imposts on all of us. It's going to cost money to do these things. It's going to cost money to develop the technologies required. There's going to be a lot of uh, experimentation going on with different fuels. We've seen Air New Zealand for instance running with a substance called Jetrofer I think a couple of years ago yes. trying to make that work. I think that's an algae based fuel isn't it Grant? Uh, no, Jetrofer is a plant that can be grown in fairly arid conditions. Uh, It is actually a bit of a noxious weed in various places. It's been banned. It will flourish in in fertile land as well, but it can also grow in in semi-arid spaces, places where you really can't get a return for your investment trying to to grow wheat or sorghum or or primary crops like that. So that's why they uh, they're looking into Jatropha. Of course, if you do give it fertile ground, it just goes nuts. Um, so they're, they're trying to say they can you can grow it as a fuel replacement without cutting into ground being used for corn and and, and primary food produce. Yeah. So I think. You know, this 
whether or not that's the, that's a specific solution, I don't know, to aviation fuel, but it certainly would seem to me that uh, should should this side of politics um, retain power, then we're, we're definitely going to see that agenda being pushed, and I, I personally think that'll end up pushing costs for uh, not only for air travel, but all sorts of travel up. And, uh, you know, the, the other agenda too that the uh, the Labor Party and the um, the Greens are pushing uh, appears to be the uh, the cap and trade, the, the carbon trading. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm no economist, I don't know, but it would seem to me that that may force prices up across the sector that we're interested here in aviation. So it's a little bit difficult to, you know, we're, we're sort of making assumptions here based on what you hear in the media and, and what you read off their website. It's it's a bit of a shame that people from these parties couldn't come on, but yep. uh, we you know we're just making some assumptions here. And I, you know, although you know, Grant, if people read my Twitter feed, they probably know which which side of <laughs> politics I sort of lean towards. Uh, I, I'm seriously not trying to push my political views onto anybody here. It's it's just what I read here. So um, Grant, let's have a look at the. ALP specifically. The, uh, the the Labor Party, uh, look, I've got to give them kudos for doing this white paper at all. They did a green paper, which is normally the, the first process to sound things out. And then they've released the white paper back in December. As they note quite correctly, this is the first time there's ever been a white paper giving direction and guidance on aviation in Australia. I've got to give them kudos for that. I've got to give them kudos for raising a lot of issues. They've done a lot of things about... Uh, that they recognise the importance of general aviation, although it hasn't. You know, I've got, I must say, in this white paper, it doesn't get as much space as I'd like to see. Uh, they've recognised the importance of getting international airlines to come to some of our secondary airports. For instance, in the Sydney area, you can get between New Zealand and this, and uh, the Sydney area. You don't have to go to Sydney. You can go to Newcastle, and there's a lot of people who live in that area, so it's quite natural for them to jump on a plane in Newcastle to go to New Zealand. Same with Avalon. They're recognising that, so they're trying to get more uh, international aircraft to come straight to Cairns and Darwin and places like that so that it takes the pressure off major uh, bottlenecks such as Sydney. They recognise that there is a need for the regional airlines and that recruitment for um, for the airlines is an issue and training and so on. They've recognised all that and they're also acknowledging there is importance in what used to be the gap airports. Now that they've all gone to Class D, as we all know from our, our show back in May, the, the transition from General Aviation Aerodrome Procedures Airports, the good old six gaps, to the Class D, they recognise the importance of having those airports around and uh, you know they have recognised that there, a lot of work needs to be done to pull back on the amount of non-aviation construction going on around some of our major uh, major GA airports. Unfortunately, a lot of it's too late. Uh, there has been construction now. Some of that was started back in the previous government, but a lot of it was started during the current government's term. So it. This white paper is pretty good in the fact that it actually exists. <laughs> it's acknowledging things. Yeah, that is a positive thing. That they, At least they've taken the time to, ha- to address aviation. And uh, there's a lot of the alphabet groups here in Australia are now starting to band together to, to really start a, a broad-based national lobbying effort to, to get some of these governments, not only the uh, the current Labor government, but the state governments as well uh, around the country that, that really uh, just sort of pay lip service to aviation. Um, yep. Some of the positive things that this government's done, I think, if we want to look at it, is... is uh, nearly $90 million extra for uh, CASA. That's a positive thing. Um, Putting on more safety specialists, uh, safety analysts, uh, airworthiness inspectors, this sort of stuff. Uh, In a recent speech that uh, Anthony Albanese, the transport minister, made, uh, he was saying that, you know, he's looking to try and get CASA to expand its surveillance activities and making sure that its regulatory responsibilities are not only up to date, but are in force. And, uh, you know, we we sort of get down on CASA a lot, Grant, because, you know, they they are a bureaucracy (laughs) and that makes them an easy target for people. But, uh, you know, we do need to have a national regulator there and so it's important that we do have the right people in that job uh, you know in those roles and I, I certainly hope that uh, this extra funding will allow that to happen yeah uh, that being said where's that extra funding coming from they're raising fuel excises for aviation and it's back to the user pays and 
I think that was a big issue that uh, that the guys raised from the from the Australian Sex Party is that uh, we don't have user pays on the roads. Otherwise, no one would be able to afford to, to drive on the road. We already complain about how expensive it is to register a car and keep it running every year with all the fees. But it costs a, it costs a lot more to maintain the, the highways and the and the roads around the cities and so on than what we're actually paying. So I, I think uh, like. Big hats off to the to Albanese and the Labor Party for putting this white paper together and getting things going, but uh, as is being said in many parts of the uh, of the Australian aviation world, the white paper missed the boat on general aviation in many areas. They're, they're, they're still we've still got the user pays situation. They're, they're looking at the safety in the airlines. Uh, they're talking about body scanners. I'm not seeing the risk uh, assessments that that really look at. What is the true risk that we're facing here versus what's the result? I mean, we've already had a go a couple of times on the show about uh, Albanese pushing for the banning of pilots on the jump seats. You know, the pilot who today is flying your aircraft between Melbourne and Sydney and then is going back to because he needs to be back in Melbourne. So they're going to put him on the jump seat of in the cockpit and they want to ban that. They only want the two operational pilots and any check pilots or safety examiners yeah, so. in the cockpit. And that's ridiculous. And I, and I guess what that comes out yeah, to uh, in, with regard to Mr. Albanese is that the man's not a pilot and he's being advised by people who are looking at, at this issue from a theoretical standpoint rather than a practical standpoint. And, and this would be the case, whether it was a Labor minister, a Green minister, a Liberal minister, these, these, these yep. people, you know, their job is to take advice and then make a decision. You know, in this case, he made a bad decision, but uh, yeah, it looks like that that one got knocked on the head at any rate, so that's a positive thing. So we'll wrap it up there, folks. Um, I guess um, what we can take from all of this is that, you know, in this election time, if you're looking at the left side of politics with the Labor Party and the Greens, well, they're sort of hanging their hats on the on the white paper that was put out. Uh, there doesn't appear to be any specific policies put out. Um, when we look at the Liberal National Coalition, should they attain government? Although I don't, I didn't see any particular policy announcements uh, coming along during this election campaign. And even when we spoke to Warren Truss, he didn't give any specific undertakings. Right? He, he did talk in generalities, and it was positive at least, I guess, that he was saying he would be prepared to look at some of the issues we raised there. The fact still remains that there are no specific aviation policies that we could find. As for the minor parties, well, okay, it was interesting to get those guys from the uh, from the sex party on you know that's aviation is of is, is of interest to the guys we spoke to but it's really not the agenda they're pushing they're, they've they've sort of got a, a more broad agenda that they're they're trying to to push there so i don't think that even if they gained a seat in the senate uh, that it's really going to make that much difference for us in aviation however we can be hopeful about that look we are we are at least seeing a response we've seen a white paper we've seen things start to come forward we've also had the reaction of many of the regional um, aviation of like many of the alpha groups over here, such as the Regional Aviation Association of Australia, the uh, Agricultural Aviation Association of Australia, and a variety of the other other groups who focus more in the GA area. And uh, they have come up and said, look, the white paper was a good start, but there's all sorts of problems in there. Uh, They're talking about a rescue plan for GA. So at least it's coming to the fore, and at least it's on the boil. Now, ministers talk a lot. Politicians are all about saying things that will get them voted in. I think it's the goal, the, the role of the rest of us, the, the we the people, so the saying goes. It's our job to keep them honest and it's our job to remind them of what they promised. And it's it's also our job to raise the issues. And I think that's one big thing that aviation fails at again and again. We don't motivate, get together and try and present a common face. So uh, maybe that's something that uh, you and I, Steve, we can explore in the near future. We've had a lot of fun putting all this together. I think with a little bit more warning, we might have got the other two people on. Uh, there's... 
more regional uh, state-based elections coming up and some council elections around airports. Uh, if, let us know, folks, if you've enjoyed having these kind of presentations. We're considering doing them again in the future, trying to get the various transport ministers together to put their cases. And by the same token, we would go to them and, and present what we see as issues for aviation to get their views and, and to help promote to them the fact that aviation is important to a large part of the population in Australia, while we in turn try to build awareness within the large population of Australia. That's very true, folks. So we, we certainly hope you found these uh, helpful. If you're uh, an aviation enthusiast, we certainly hope that this has uh, provided enough information for you to make a more informed vote. Uh, the election is on the uh, 21st of August 2010. Folks, as we've said uh, to all our listeners, we, the purpose of what we're doing here is not to tell you how to vote. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious if you uh, knew Grant and I personally, we, we sort of differ uh, <laughs> on different sides of the political spectrum and that's what makes uh, our program interesting, I think. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I indeed. mean, if we were so, the same, it'd be boring. But The only thing that I would encourage all of you to do, um, for what it's worth from my point of view, is when you're standing there at the ballot box and you're considering your vote, no matter which way you choose to vote, have a good think about it, folks. Think about what it means to you to vote either side and make an informed choice. Whichever way that happens to be, that's entirely up to you, but that's what I encourage people to be politically aware. It's very important. Yes, politicians drive us mad. However, it's very important important that people make, in my opinion, an informed choice rather than just waste their vote. Yeah, definitely. And also, don't get swayed by the, ooh, who has the better hair and who appears to come across better. You've got to go beyond the spin, look deep and really assess what that party's doing. Uh, there is the old saying that we, we get the politicians that we deserve and, uh, yeah, if, if we focus on the trivialities, that's what we're going to get and I, I'm seeing that in this election. The current campaign is full of trivialities and many people are starting to voice dissent satisfaction with what's going on. I think it's time for the citizens to make use of social media and to make use of their emails and actually inform their, their politicians of what they think. And uh, yeah, let's see where we go. Yeah, well, that's all sounding a bit too serious for me and Grant, so I think we <laughs> ought to sign that off here, folks. Just remember when you're voting and next week when it's all done and dusted and you're looking around for some light relief, I might just listen to an aviation podcast. Grant, what should they be thinking in that case? Well, it's obvious. It's what's down under that counts. You've been listening to Plane Crazy Down Under, hosted by Steve Vischer and Grant McCarran. Show notes, links to our forum, Facebook fan page, YouTube channel and Grant and Steve's own blogs can be found on our website, www.planecrazydownunder.com or keep up with our Twitter handle of PCDU. Comments or feedback can be left on our website or email us at planecrazydownunder at gmail.com. If you'd like to help with the ongoing production of the show, feel free to assist via the donate button on the website. Any contributions are most gratefully appreciated. Incidental music and sound effects are courtesy of soundsnap.com and title music is You Name It 5 by Brian Simpson. This has been a Southern Skies online media podcast. folks at the Department of the Bleeding Obvious have asked us to make this statement. The views and opinions we present in this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent those of groups we work with or are associated with, although we think they probably should. We certainly don't claim to be experts, we're just opinionated enthusiasts who are willing to comment publicly on the world around us. This show is intended as entertainment and any education that may occur is purely coincidental. As with anything in life, it is your responsibility to determine what does or does not work in your situation and to seek out suitable guidance and or instruction. This podcast is released under Creative Commons non-commercial by attribution license. For more details on this license and our contact details, 
please visit our website at www.playingcrazydownunder.com. Thanks, folks. Thanks, folks.